Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. I'm so thrilled that you joined us again this week. And it is Two Peas tonight. Gerald here with you, of course, on the main show again. And I brought in a first-time guest yet again. I love it. I love it. 2023 is so many first-time guests. I need to actually look at my roster, but I'm pretty sure I've only had like two or three returning guests. There's been a ton of new people on the show this year, which is awesome. And I've got to chatting with this guy the last few months, and he is uh, in the same Film Critics Association that I just joined, and we joined at the same time. So we're kind of newbies to the North Carolina Film Critics Association together. We both joined a couple weeks ago. And like I said, his first time here on the P's as well. But say hello to Jacob. You might know him from Awards Watch and from In Session Film, which uh, are very dear friends of this show. So they probably heard your name before. But Jacob, welcome to the P's, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, I'm glad to be in the uh, North Carolina Film Critics Association. I was really worried um, because uh, my acceptance to school didn't come until after. So I was like emailing Douglas. I was like, please still take my application. <laughs> um Right. But no, I mean, the group over there is great. Um, everyone who joined with us is great. And the people who are already in it are great. I'm just, I'm so ecstatic to be a part of that, uh, a part of that critics group. I'm just, I'm really excited to get out to North Carolina and to meet all you guys and yeah. to really start, you know, hit the ball rolling. And I'm glad I'm starting now with doing this. Yeah, me as well, man. And uh, I love your coverage of movies the stuff that I've read online and on Twitter and things like that. And it's funny because I kind of got to know your name pretty prominently in the last, like this past award season. I mean, I kind of knew you, I think we were mutuals online for a yeah. while, but uh, with Oscar central, cause I'm a big fan of Kinsey over there and mm -hmm. Nicole I'm tight with now. And I just was following their stuff so closely during award season. And you were often in the mix over there doing a lot of yeah. stuff with them. And I was like, I love this dude, man. He's just like straight up. Like, this is what I like. This is why I like it. Uh, this is what I think is going to win. You know, it, it was a great time. And then I know you kind of broke off from them a little bit because they're doing something a little different this year, which which mm -hmm. is is great. And I applaud them for what they're doing. But tell everybody where they can kind of find you, uh, what the best thing to look up for you and what you're having fun doing right now, man. Yeah, um, I'm the most active social media I'm on more than anything is Letterboxd. I love Letterboxd. Um, mm -hmm. I am one of those people that the second the movie ends – I am updating my letterbox. Um, uh, so you can find yeah, me there. Uh, you can find me at awards watch. Uh, I had a, you know, I had a review of John wick recently mm -hmm. and I have something coming up in the next couple of months for them as well. Um, but where I've gotten most active is at in session film. Um, mm -hmm. Like you said, I was working really hard with Kenzie and Nicole um, and everyone over at Oscar central and, they came to me with the idea of creating a full female and non-binary mm -hmm. um, awards website. And I just thought that that was a great idea. And I thought so cool. that if anyone could do it, it would be them. Um, mm -hmm. So I was, you know, I was eager to kind of step away and let them have that. So um, thankfully the people at in session have been really great with 
letting me take on more of a role there. And so I've been doing a lot of stuff there. I'm going to have a, a review of Guardians of the Galaxy coming out probably Ooh. Friday or Saturday of this next um, of this upcoming week, which I'm really Ooh. excited for. So that's, um, that's, that's, a, that's a big release. Have you seen it already? I see it Thursday. Um, All right. Which okay. It, it sucks because that would probably make it on my uh, on my list that we're talking mm. today. Um, yeah. But I'll, I'll go with I'll go with something else. And, and well, to we'll, segue we'll, then we'll a little bit. So obviously doing the top five format here on the main show, and we I, you know I have a, a to do list. I always kind of have that ready for new guests, and I say, hey, here's what I got coming up. Is there anything that sparked your interest? Now, this topic that we're talking about tonight, Jacob, is actually has actually been on that list for like two years. Really? And I don't know if I don't know if guests have just been like it's too daunting or whatever, but nobody's really stepped up to claim it. Why don't you tell everybody what it is that we're counting down tonight? Uh yeah, we're doing best trilogies. Um Yeah. So best Why'd you want to do this set of three. I I think here's the thing. I'm not a person who says a movie needs a sequel. Um, I think there's movies that work better uh, as one-offs um, and, you know, getting what you did, well, getting what you want done in one movie and then sending it off. However, I think if you can pull off a trilogy and make every single version that you release as good, if not better than the one mm-hmm. before, I think that that's a really special thing. And I think I it's really special for, for filmmakers who can, who can get it all the way through. I mean, there's some of the best trilogies that have a great one and two, and then the three is awful. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some trilogies that start strong, dip very deep, and then somehow come back in the end. And so I think for a trilogy that has the staying power and for a trilogy that um, can really move and be effective as a set of movies that tell one story, then I think that's really interesting. And plus I've got probably maybe some hot takes and maybe some interesting, um, some interesting little tidbits that I want to, uh, I want to get out about this subject. Well, since you mentioned that without giving away any of, of your titles or your picks, how was the research for you? Because before you answer, I'll just tell you, I went kind of basic bitch pick, <laughs> basic bitch list for me myself. I mean, some of these I like, I just couldn't leave off. Like, I just think mm-hmm. they're, you know, often considered some of the best trilogies, but also they're just my favorite. So I just tried to be true to myself a little bit on a few of my picks. But then there were some other ones that I kind of hadn't thought of that that came up. And I was like, yeah, you know, especially my honorable mentions that like, I'm going to include them that might not show up on a lot of, you know, the general public's lists or whatever. But when you were doing your research, Jacob, how was it for you? Was it an easy list for you to come up with? Uh, no, not at no, all. Um, there's definitely some movies that I'm going to miss out. Um, and I'm definitely going to have some honorable mentions. And, you know, I, I didn't quite go basic bitch because I have definitely two, at least two on here that are, you're going to be like, what? But, um, <laughs> okay, cool. But I did go, I did go much more recent, which is, is probably a me thing. Okay. So, you know, if there's anyone listening along, tell me what trilogies to watch because, um, I'd love to go back and watch some more. 
uh, from the past. But yeah, mine, all of mine are going to be probably much more recent. Well, like you said too, it's, it's really a special thing when like you get all these movies with these same characters and sometimes the same storyline being continued and they're somehow able to capture the magic and keep it going. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a rare thing, honestly. I mean, movies have been around forever. And when I was making my list, I mean, I have 10 because I did honorable mentions, but I don't know if we'd have gotten up to like 20 or so. I don't know if I could have really kept going. Like it's kind of a rare thing to have such high quality throughout the throughout the series of three. Yeah. You know what I mean? I agree. I, 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 I agree a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. So let's get it going. Uh, we're going to do our top five movie trilogies with Jacob Throneberry. And I'm excited that you're here, man. First time guest of the show. Why don't you get us started, buddy? What is your number five trilogy and why? You said this one might be a little bit of a head scratcher, okay. right? So so this one this one might be a little bit, a bit of a stretch, but I've got my reasoning. All right, sure. Let's hear it. So this is a trilogy. There's actually four in it. However, All right. I think two, three, and four is what tells one story mm. and... It even has a scene where at the end of two, he's running. And at the start of three, he is still running. It's that cohesive of of a story. Hmm. And I think even though one is still part of it, I think that that is much more of essentially a prologue to what the actual story is. Hmm. And I'm going to say John Wick, two, three, and four. I kind of thought that's where you were going. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I Um, know where you were going. I'm that's, not gonna. That's exactly I, I'm not gonna. I, <laughs> go ahead. That's exactly I was say, how I, I was gonna say. I'm not gonna. It. I was gonna say. I'm not gonna give you shit for it. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's uh, that's how I felt leaving the theater. Was that two, three, and four was one trilogy. It was a cohesive. These are the chapters of a story, and John Wick one is the prologue that sets up the world, tells you about the characters. Um, gives you a little bit of insight to the actual story that is coming. Mm-hmm. What, uh, so I didn't read your review, but I assume you're obviously a fan of the new one, John Wick four. Oh, I, I, it's definitely, I mean, it's my favorite action movie since Mad Max Fury road. Um, nice. And it's still my number one of the year. It's, nice. I, I, I think it's probably one of the greatest action movies ever made. Um, they, a perfect blend of, you know, humor and just the most insane action sequences you will ever see in a movie. Um, I think that, and I'm not an action person. I was very much against the John Wick uh, franchise. And then, you know, Eric Anderson from Awards Watch asked me and said, hey, would you like to do John Wick? And I said, I've never seen a John Wick. And he said, okay, we'll start watching. (laughs) So, um, I watched all four, all three of them the week of John Wick four uh, to prepare myself oh, nice. for and for the I first think, time. Yeah. Oh wow. And okay. I, I'm not a big, I'm not a huge fan of John Wick one. I definitely think that that's the weakest of the bunch, but I think two, three, and four is where that really picks up and really kicks off to keep elevating with every film until, like I said, it's so cohesive of a story that. At two, after he gets excommunicated, he is running through New York. And then at the start of three, he is still running through New York in mm-hmm. that same hour time span. Yeah. 
which I think for me, what a trilogy does best is a trilogy tells one story over a set of three films. And I think that's, that's what that did. Mm-hmm. And so for me, John Wick two, three, four is my, is my action trilogy. Um, spectacle cool. of a pick. I could see what you're saying too. I, you know, and I actually was kind of John Wick popped in my head a little bit when we were, when I was doing my research for this. And then when I knew we were doing the topic, but at the same time, I was like, okay, well, that's four films. I don't know if I can get away with that. So I didn't even, it was just like a passing thought. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like had there not been a fourth one, then it probably would have been on this list, you know, if it had ended after three or whatever. But uh, John Wick one's my favorite. I know you said you weren't huge on it, but that one just did. Uh, and you've probably heard this argument before, but just the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. Just, and, and it kind of to your point too, because you're talking about two, three, and four as being your, essentially your trilogy here. So it kind of proves your point that you're making as well is that it's, it's kind of a one-off movie where it's like, yeah. it's very, it's a straightforward revenge film, you know, and, and Keanu Reeves was, uh, I don't know. I feel like maybe his best in that movie from an acting perspective. And then it got super, super heavy action uh, mm-hmm. based as, as the series went on up until part four, which we just saw, which was like you said, I mean, some of the best action we've ever seen in the history of movies. So it wasn't so much about the performance anymore. It's more about the acting and the fight choreography and that kind of stuff, which is great. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, I love it, but I think the first one just spoke to me a little bit more because of that kind of personal connection that that movie had and that it was so simple, you know, and I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a simple guy. (laughs) I completely get that. And I, watching John Wick two, three, and four made me respect John Wick one much more. Because John Wick 2, 3, and 4 are much – those are much more action-heavy. You kind of have a villain. I mean he kills so many more people in John Wick 2, 3, and 4. But it really like – it really has me respecting what John Wick 1 did and the world building that it did. And understanding that there might be the most exposition in John Wick 1 – but that it's needed to tell, again, that trilogy of movies coming uh, coming after it. Well, you started with a very, very recent movie, uh, kind of being part of the mix for your opening trilogy at your number five, which is John Wick. I'm going to start with an even more recent film that's in the franchise, but I'm going to name as my number five, Sam Raimi's Evil Dead trilogy. Okay. All right, that's my number five. So we're going all the way back to 1980. For the first film, or 81 actually, for the first film, Evil Dead. And then, of course, we have Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. So that's the Sam Raimi trilogy, kind of started this franchise mm-hmm. and started a lot of really revolutionary things in the horror genre, too, uh, that kind of have become staples of Sam Raimi's career, even with movies like Spider Man and stuff that he did. But, you know, the fast POV shots with the camera tracking and uh, mm-hmm. kind of chasing its subject, if you will. You know, that kind of stuff wasn't done to that level of intensity prior to the Evil Dead films. And I've talked about these movies a lot lately because the Evil Dead Rise just came out. Um, and I don't, I'm interested to see if you're a fan of these or if you've seen them. But I, as you can probably tell behind me, uh, but I'm a huge horror fan. I mean, that's my favorite genre of film. Mm-hmm. So I had to make sure some horror got some representation. And as a true trilogy... Um, I felt like Evil Dead was the one that would not raise as many eyebrows because I thought about Scream because, you know, one, two and three is kind of a trilogy. Um, But for me, this is a true 
trilogy, the story starts at one, it ends at three. Mm-hmm. Sam Raimi's kind of out of the picture, at least from a directing standpoint. Uh, and then we just kind of get these iterations that build on that world going forward, uh, which includes Evil Dead Rise that just came out, which I was a fan of as well, but it's not part of the original trilogy. So that's what I'm naming it, my number five. What do you think about the uh, Evil Dead pick there, Jacob? Yeah, um, horror is a genre that I've gotten much more into over the past couple of years, and the Evil Dead movies are one that I, I do need to go back and, and pick back up on. Um, I really didn't get into horror until um, until COVID, really, and of course we had so much time to just sit back and watch movies, and my roommate huge was a huge horror fan grew up uh you know her dad was showing her horror movies from a young age she was five or six and she was watching the exorcist and um Mm. and so that's when i started watching more of these horrors and i really started to take in how effective horror could be when done right uh growing up i was a very avid anti-horror fan Mm, the first horror movie i ever actually saw was the conjuring and i was dragged to the theater what an intro what an intro man wow i i wasn't i wasn't old enough to buy a ticket myself so we had to go to the theater 30 minutes away that we knew didn't card people um and i was i mean i was dragged and bullied into going and i'm very happy that i did because i found a genre that i love and i found um some of the most effective movies are used with horror. I mean, I'm wearing a Bo is Afraid shirt right now, and I've seen it go. twice already. And I'm seeing it tomorrow for the first time, so don't drop any spoilers or anything. No spoilers. Uh, I just say, text me when you're done. I'm going to a matinee tomorrow, and I'm like wow. kind of nervous because I've, <laughs> I'm nervous because I've seen like loathe and then i've seen people like yourself that love it so i and i love ari aster so i'm a little nervous but the one i will say the one thing that i wish i knew going into it it's not a horror movie it is a comedy go Mm -hmm. in thinking it is funny because it is funny um but yeah i i the evil dead trilogy i actually was talking to someone recently about how i hadn't seen those and um they are ones that i've been wanting to get into uh, because I've I've heard I've heard how great Sam Raimi is at doing those movies and how um, how good they are as movies as well. Well, it's funny because too, and you know you'll know this when you when you dive into it or whatever. But you know the first one is a cult classic. You know, and mm-hmm. it's just like I said, it was revolutionary for just the different camera shots and you know the swings that he was taking in 1981 were. I mean, you see him now and it's like you could see something like that on television. <laughs> but in yeah. 81, it was kind of crazy to see the things that he was doing and the amount of blood that he was using and, um, you know, the gruesome kind of nature of everything. And then he kind of remade his own movie with Evil Dead 2 because it's really the same film, <laughs> which is funny. Yeah, it's almost it's almost a remake of the first one, just with different characters, a little bit different setting. Obviously, Bruce Campbell's still there. Some new stuff gets introduced with the Book of the Dead and so on. And then Army of Darkness, the third film, is like just a crazy, just out of this world, like taking all of that lore and just making it really fantastical. Um, but Sam Raimi, it's just cool to watch him back now and just see how experimental he was and how he kind of found his own way. Uh, through the Evil Dead and kind of like different things that he did as a filmmaker to kind of 
you could tell he was self-taught in a lot of things that he was doing with camera work and that kind of lighting and that kind of thing. Uh, the practical effects, I mean, all that stuff. So it's uh, easily one of the best, if not the best, as far as consistency is concerned, uh, horror franchises, because there's no duds in the Evil Dead. They're all, at a minimum, at a minimum, you could say they're all good movies. But that's my number five, the Evil Dead a trilogy, the original trilogy from Sam Raimi. And we're up to our number fours. What do you got at number four, Jacob? So my number four... I'm kind of tossing and turning between my number four and my number three. Mm -hmm. But I will say, okay, for my number four, I'm going the Toy Story trilogy. Okay. I think Toy Story 1 was a good movie for when it was released, a great movie for when it was released. I think it's revolutionary. Mm -hmm. I don't think it has particularly aged super well. However, I still like it. Still like it a lot. I think Toy Story 2 is a pure advancement on that movie in every way. And I think that they have scenes, I mean, they have scenes like the ones that get passed around TikTok and Twitter of him cleaning Woody. That mm -hmm. is just like a flex from an animator saying like, this is what we can do. Mm -hmm. And then I think Toy Story three is a full blown masterpiece of a film. I think it's a movie that ages with the audience. Um, I think it is a movie that understands that just as Andy in the movie is getting older. The people who grew up watching Toy Story 1 are getting older as well. And uh, I remember seeing Toy Story 3 in theaters and was just absolutely blown away. I thought from a filmmaking standpoint, I thought it was absolutely perfect. Um, it really kind of harpened on so many of the things that the Toy Story movies had been setting up in the trilogy. Buzz finding his voice. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Woody struggling with, you know, not being the toy anymore. Um, I thought Lotso was a great villain, a, mm -hmm. a fantastic villain. Um, and again, it has that like emotional found family kind of aspect of a group of characters that, you know, never chose to be together, but found, you know, love in one another and were willing to, you know, have their last moments together. And of course they didn't, but you didn't know that at the time. And mm -hmm. you, you kind of knew that Pixar wasn't going to go that route. Um, but it was the one time where I was truly scared for the characters. And I was like, yeah. is this going to be the end for them? Right. Um, and I think that that is, it, it, it's a, it's a perfect capper on, in my opinion, one of the best trilogies. Um, and if if I liked the first one a little bit more now, I might have had it higher, uh, but it still has to make my list. I think it's I just think it's absolutely brilliant. Well, I agree with you. It is higher on my list. <laughs> well, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll talk about it in a few minutes here, but I'll just say that I agree with everything you said and that Toy Story is a very fascinating franchise because. And you mentioned this, but it's a franchise that knows its audience and ages with its audience. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, brings in uh, new age groups as well. Like, you know, I have kids of all different ages and they love these movies. And yeah. so do I. And I'm in my 40s. So um, I think that's a, a really beautiful thing that I think Pixar knew that they had kind of lightning in a bottle with that. Mm-hmm. And that's why they kept kind of kept it going with Toy Story 4. And I mean, 
I remember being a naysayer when they announced that. I was like, why are you ruining a perfect trilogy? What are you doing? Like, this is, you know, there's, we don't need it. Any, it we had the perfect ending to this three-parter. But then I saw Toy Story 4 and I loved it. <laughs> so, well, I, you know. I, I, will, I will continue to be a naysayer <laughs> because I, I think Toy Story 4, um, you like I it. won't use words that I actually should say, but mm. no, I, I, I think that it's, I think that it's it's damaging to what the Toy Story franchise. Yeah, had I mean, set it definitely up. wasn't necessary for sure. Yeah, I mean, I my my that. one of my biggest gripes with Toy Story four, and this is a, it's a very specific thing. Toy Story three was for uh, for Buzz. It was a perfect. You have finally found your way after three movies because the Toy Story trilogy was, in a sense. Buzz is this new he he is the person finding his family. Um but he's never found his voice. And there was that scene that that not scene but that part of Toy Story 3 where you know his voice switches to Spanish and he you quite literally and figuratively Buzz has to find his voice again. And he finally does find his voice amongst the group and they finally take him fully take him in as being truly one of their own. And then my biggest thing with toy story four is they make him back into a dud of a character. No, I Um, I agree. I hated Buzz's arc and four for sure. I agree. And so I, I think I'm really not a fan of four and I think I've liked it even less over the years. Um, I think it's still beautifully made Right. And I do think that there are some fun moments, but but I I just think the tri- the trilogy is so good, and I think yep. it ended on such a perfect, yep. um, such a perfect ending. And like I like I was saying earlier with one offs, there's times that we need to just let it be and let mm-hmm. it be done. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I think I think had you not made Toy Story four, I think you could have had what is you know so long partner at the end of Toy Story 3, be a quality send-off for him. But yep. then when you make Toy Story 4, you kind of force everyone to know that he doesn't like where he's at. Right. But I, none, nonetheless, Toy Story, the Toy Story trilogy is amazing. I get it. it. Yeah, and I'll, talk, I'll talk a little bit more about it when it comes up on my list too. But my yeah. number four is the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy. Okay. Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises. You know, the best of the bunch is The Dark Knight from 2008. In my opinion, the best comic book adapted uh, adapted film ever made, in my opinion. I still believe that as we're, I can't believe it's been 15 years almost since that movie came out, but it has been. But, you know, what Heath Ledger did in that movie is a joker, you know, just... Christopher Nolan kind of finding his place in the action space really with that movie, because even when you look at a movie like Batman begins before it, which I also love it, there weren't a ton of action sequences and they definitely weren't to the level that we were getting the dark Knight with the 18 wheeler flipping and the different chase scenes. And, you know, so he really kind of, we, we start to kind of see the big blockbuster action scenes from Christopher Nolan and now it's like you can't escape it. I mean it's in everything he does now. So yeah. That was kind of born with the Dark Knight. But just the trilogy as a whole, I thought was beautiful how it kind of 
you know, culminated the entire time. It was, it was a beautiful, like point A to point B kind of story for, for Batman. And, you know, say what you will. I mean, Christian Bell's a great actor, so, you know, he knows what he's doing. I mean, people make fun of the voice and the whole thing or whatever, but I mean, Dark Knight or Batman is this brooding, dark character that I thought Christian Bale really kind of got the assignment. Uh, and yeah. I thought he did really, really well in the trilogy. So, and I love Michael Caine. Uh, you know, so many great things that I have such fond memories of. And, and you know, honestly, my IMAX theater going experience for seeing The Dark Knight when it came out is enough for this to make the list. I mean, it was yeah. like literally a transformative, like that's, I mean, that's easily one of the best movie theater experiences I've ever had, like with a crowd of people at the premiere, like the midnight showing or whatever. Cause back then they, you know, they only did the one midnight showing on yeah. Thursday night or whatever. And, uh, it was insane, man. It was literally a phenomenon. So, uh, yeah. And I love Nolan. I think he's one of the, one of the goats. So yeah. What do you think, man? Are you a fan of these movies? Yeah. Um, it, it made my honorable mention. It wasn't, I think ever going to make my top five. Um, and that is only because I'm not the biggest fan of dark Knight rises. Um, I think that kind of where he, I think kind of where Nolan went in that movie was such a drop from what he did in the dark Knight, which I think what he does in the dark Knight is like you said, it, it is a masterclass of, action and pacing and you know a villain and that a cat and mouse chase and i think it's i think it's one of the best things that nolan has done in a career that is full of amazing things i think um and then i i'm i'm a big fan of batman begins too and i think that's the one that really gets left off a lot because it's the first but i thought that that was a great origin i thought Mm -hmm. um Liam Neeson was fantastic. And so I thought good, man. So the, good. uh, everything in that movie was just so, so good. Um, and of course, like you said, I mean, Heath Ledger was a fully, fully, fully amazing and, um, you know, driven actor in that film. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's say what you want about the movies, say what you want about the trilogy, um, you know, say what you want about the character of Joker itself. You know, that is still down as one of the best acting performances oh, that for sure. has been seen. For um, sure. It's, it's, it's truly, truly amazing. Um, but I, I like the pick. I vibe with the pick. Um, again, it's not on my, my list of five, but I still think that it's a very, very good pick. Cool, man. Well, there you go. Uh, the Dark Knight trilogy is my number four. You had Toy Story at four. What's your number three, Jacob? Uh, this one, I think people are going to scream at me. Oh, no. But you've got to understand what I've got in my background right now. Multiple, oh, is that Spidey? Multiple Spider-Men. Oh, okay, um, yeah. It's the MCU Spider-Man trilogy. Oh, the MCU one. Okay. Yeah. All right. I thought you were going to go back to Sam Raimi for a second. No. Uh, I, could, I consider I could do his Spider-Man podcast over yeah. Spider-Man 3 and how not making Harry Osborn the villain is probably one of the worst moves in movie history. Um, well, I equate that to not making uh, 
Kylo Ren the villain in the uh, Star Wars trilogy. But sure, yeah. Um, no, I I think I think what the MCU trilogy does is for a Spider Man fan perfect, and I think from a storytelling aspect almost as perfect as you can get. The Spider-Man trilogy doesn't doesn't create Spider-Man in one movie. And I know we get multiple more where we see Spider-Man in, you know, Avengers and all that kind of stuff. Um, but what the Spider-Man trilogy does is over three films, it tells the story of how Spider-Man becomes to be Spider-Man. It is the the transformation of, you know, spider boy to spider man. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you've got, um, you've got homecoming where he is a kid. He's 15 years old. He got Spider-Man powers. He's met all these cool people. He, you know, thinks he's the shit. He wants to be the coolest guy at the party. He wants to date the coolest girls. He feels like he deserves that because he is Spider-Man. But that's not what Spider-Man is. And so in that, he has to learn that, like, you have all these things, but you still have to, you know, lay low. In the second movie, you get a Spider-Man who wants to put it away for a little while, who doesn't want to be, um, you know, who doesn't want to be Spider-Man, who wants to, um, who wants to be a kid, almost the exact opposite of Homecoming. And then in the third movie, you get one who a Spider-Man who was thrust into the spotlight, who was forced to be both the kid and the hero, ultimately for everything and everyone he loves to be taken away from him. But he still keeps fighting and he still keeps swinging as Spider-Man. And I think for over those four or over those three movies, you are seeing this kid turn into Spider-Man. And I think for me, No Way Home is an A plus perfect comic book movie. I think it is an absolute masterpiece. Um, I get that a lot of it, there is some fan servicey moments. And I understand that, you know, bringing in the other Spider-Man, whatever, like there's bad jokes. I get that. But I think from a story <laughs> standpoint, the people that, the things that people were wanting from Spider-Man, the struggles, um, you know, the the lack of funds and the lack of necessities, and they got that, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I think it's one of those things where the people who were who were screaming from the first movie saying, you know, he's he's given everything, he doesn't have to work for anything. That's not what Spider-Man is. I think if they would have played the long game, they would have seen that ultimately what it was always going to be was him getting to that point and him learning over the course of three movies. This is what, this is what I want. This is what's needed from me. This is what I have to do. And so for me, I, I think that it's, I left, I left the theater when I saw no way home. And I said, you know, this is personally one of my favorite trilogies that I've ever seen. That's great. Well, here do you talk about it? I'm surprised it's your number three. Uh, I'm excited to see what you have in your top two, though. But I have two ta- more eight. that like it's it's five out of five A plus across the nice. board. <laughs> so um, I, I guess Tom Holland is that your Spidey? Then is that your Spider Man? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that I think that Toby 
and Andrew both possess a lot of things that I love from Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Tom Holland, especially yeah, he, after No Way Home, is yeah. is a um, he he understands. He it was good. Know, he I think sometimes. Yeah, no, he was great, man. I think sometimes it's a product of nostalgia too. And like mm-hmm. when you, you know, when you came to it and I, you know, I, Toby Maguire is my Spider-Man just for that reason. Yeah. I mean, just because, no, I get it. you know, and there was such a lull in superhero movies prior to Sam Raimi's Spider-Man coming out where it was like they, they weren't being mass produced like they are today. Mm-hmm. So when it came along, it was like, you know, truly a like blockbuster event, you know, and in my mental, like, I don't know that I, I mean, I would not argue with anybody because I, I, I think Garfield's probably the best from an acting perspective. Yeah. Tobey Maguire is going to get people like me who are remembering the nostalgia of living through it. And then Tom Holland is the best just for pure, like he matches kind of the character. You know, he kind of matches what Peter Parker is in the mm-hmm. comics. It's, 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 it was beautiful casting. I felt like so. Yeah, I, I I see it, man. I get it. I I'm surprised it's your three because I can tell how passionate you are about it. So I'm excited to see what your top two is. But there you go, the MCU iteration of Spider Man is your number three. Yeah, my number three you already talked about, so we'll just touch on it briefly. But it's the Toy Story franchise, okay. uh, Toy Story one through three, really. I mean, we kind of already talked about it how Toy Story four inadvertently kind of ruined the trilogy, but <laughs> I'll pretend like it doesn't exist for this conversation. Mm-hmm. You know that movie, Toy Story three is you know this is going to be a huge swing but i'm going to go ahead and tell you it would probably be in my top five like animated movies of all time yeah toy story three i mean it's it's it is in my top five it's yeah, in my top yeah. three I, think. I mean i haven't made that list but i would say that's probably fair to say i think it's the best pixar film uh, i think an argument can be made for a couple other ones like inside out and wally and you know a couple other ones that i really really love but i think toy story three is probably the best one you know, the craft and the animation and stuff is obviously stellar, but just this, like, uh, I mean, they're toys, right? But just this, like, human story that we get, mm-hmm. that this well of emotion that builds up in Toy Story 3 until we're in that inferno and they're all holding hands, you know, going to their certain death together and the end of their story and the end of their life together. Uh, and kind of, you said it beautifully earlier, this group of people that they didn't, they didn't choose to be with these people, but it ended up being their family and who they were connected to and who they cared about. And it was, I mean, I, there's so many times that I cried in the toy story franchise in general, but you just get so, cause you know, that happens. And then of course they don't, you know, burn alive or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we get the, Later on, when Andy has to say goodbye to them and he gives them to um, Bonnie. And and that's so almost ha- worse. <laughs> so then we have that, you know, and you're just like, oh, my God, guys, like, could we please just end the movie? I can't take any more of this. So I just think kind of like what you said. I mean, I feel like I'm higher on Toy Story 4 than you are. But generally speaking, mm-hmm. the trilogy didn't need it. I mean, it was a beautiful, like, poetic ending to one of the great movie trilogies. I mean, that we're both mentioned it on our list. I mean, there's a reason for that. And it comes up on any list you Google, uh, just a phenomenal story for, and it's weird because it's Andy's story, but it's also mm-hmm. Buzz and Woody's story. And then we have a lot of these sub characters that we're also kind of following the whole franchise. It also morphs into kind of Bonnie's story at one point. Mm-hmm. So we really connect to her. Some of the shorts they did, 
I don't know if you ever saw those, but they have a Halloween one where they're at mm-hmm. the, um, and then they have a Christmas one and those yeah, are all centered the, around yeah. Bonnie. And, you know, I don't know, man, it's just something special about it. You know, probably because I have kids, I have a four-year-old and I have a nine-year-old. And then I told you I have a daughter in college as well. So I kind of, <laughs> I was like, are you just for, <laughs> forgetting? <laughs> I'm all over the place, man. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so uh, I kind of have lived through it with these characters, and that's why that that movie franchise is so special to me. And yeah. everybody in this house loves Toy Story, man. So we crossed up there. That's my number three. It was your number four, so pretty close there. And we are yeah, up to it, our runner-ups, Jacob. What do you got, man? Oof. So here's the thing. I, I want... Uh-oh. You're having an internal battle with yourself. I have to go check. I have to check one thing because I want. I really want my number. What I have is number two to be my number one, mm. but I just can't bring myself to doing it. All right. Well, maybe you can explain a little bit why once you once because once you say it, it's your number two. So. All right. I'm just gonna have to do it. Do it, man. My number two is the Before Trilogy. Let me tell you something real quick. This is don't try not to spoil this for me. This is a blind spot for me. This whole series. Okay. And I'm going to, I want to cover, I'm going to cover it on my Patreon. I'm going to have a patron come on who's seen it and I'm going to watch it with them for the first time. So I really, really want to see these movies. I've heard such good things, but talk a little bit about why you love it. I just didn't want you to spoil it for me. Uh, so it's, Oh no, I gotta, I gotta think about what I gotta say. (laughs) It was, it was really, it was really, really hard. Um, I think before sunrise is a masterpiece. I think before sunset is in a very, 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 very good film. For me, I have it as an A. Um, it doesn't quite in my brain cross over into that A plus threshold. Um, but I know a lot of people who say that that's their favorite. For me, that one was my least favorite. And I say that as someone who still has it ranked as an A. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And then Before Midnight, I think is probably one of the most excruciating watches you could ever see. And it's my favorite of the three. (laughs) It's how, how, how I've always kind of seen the Before Trilogy is that the first movie is like a fantasy. It is something that, you know, how could this ever happen? It's, it's a storybook romance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the most perfect night with the most perfect person. The second movie is almost like a dream. It's almost like, okay, well, did I dream up everything that happened in the first movie or the first, whatever? Um, was that a dream? Is this real? Like, is what's happening actually happening. And then I think for the third movie, that's when they bring it back to reality and they're like, okay, this is what a relationship actually is. And this is what love actually is. And it's, you know, sometimes dirtiest form. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, I, I truly think that as a trilogy, it is a masterful, perfect top to bottom the the best romance movies, the best romance story that <clears throat> has ever been made. I think what uh, what Linklater and Hawk and um oh god, I am forgetting. So Julie Delphi? Na- 
Yes, 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 yes. What they do in um, in these films is well, I'll say it's 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 catching sunrise <laughs> in a bottle instead of lightning. Well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Are they doing another one though? I thought I saw an announcement that they want to do another there's, one. So people say it all the time. Um, okay. I don't think there's ever been an official announcement. All right. People okay. always say like there's going to be a fourth before movie called Before I Forget. Um, okay. Do what I want it to happen. Honestly, sure, because I think I, I trust them wholeheartedly with what they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't th- think anything has actually been confirmed. Confirmed. Gotcha. Well, um, we did, it was a few months ago, but we did our top five uh, movie blind spots, movies that we just haven't seen. And this was in my list because I've never seen any of them. I've heard such good things about them. I love Ethan Hawke. I love Linklater. Um, So uh, one of my patrons heard that episode and hit me up and they're going to come on. And uh, I have this uh, series called My First Time on Patreon where I watch something for the first time. So I'm going to go through all of them. Uh, I'm excited. I'm not sure when that's going to happen, but I'm waiting to do it for the series. But so I don't have a lot of commentary because I haven't seen them, but I really, really want to see them. So yeah. there you go. The before trilogy. They, I mean, was, if you, if you are into anything romance, that is, yeah. that has to be on your list. Oh yeah. I'm a romantic dude. I mean, you can yeah. tell by looking at me, I'm sure. <laughs> so watch those. <laughs> and then you have to buy the criterion because it's one of the best criterion sets imaginable. Cool, man. All right, well, we haven't talked about my number two yet. My number two, you know, I, I said at the top that I went kind of basic bitch with a couple of my picks, and that's basically my top two. So, sorry, I am who I am, but my number two is the Back to the Future trilogy. Okay. Guys, uh, anybody listening that's a regular listener is like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. But yeah, Back to the Future, the first movie is like probably my favorite film of all time, a period. Yeah. It's either that one or maybe Unforgiven by Clint Eastwood, but those two are like a neck and neck race. Uh, Goodfellas, Marty, Marty Scorsese, but those three movies are kind of like always going for the finish line for my favorite movie of all time. And when I watch one of those three, I'm like, this is my favorite movie of all time mm-hmm. until I watch the next one. But this one is uh, obviously one of the greats. And then the sequels, I thought, really built off of kind of this, you know, because they made this movie about time travel and it was really quirky and really silly. And they didn't know what they had, I don't think. And when mm-hmm. it blew up and became a certified blockbuster, they were like, all right, we're going to do it. And they kind of built off of that because you could take time travel in general, and I don't mean just in Back to the Future, and create such infinity what you could do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could put it in any scenario in history. You could create any scenario in the future that you want to come up with. Like there's literally no limits to what you could do. So they decided to take the sequel and put it in the future with the same character. So not far enough into the future, but we still get to see them kind of grown up. Michael J. Fox with Marty McFly. And then they take the third one and they it's in the old West, right? In the 1800s. And we kind of get to see it in the past. So it's a little bit of everything, you know, and the first movie was obviously present day, which back then would have been the 1980s, which I'm a huge fan of. I mean, I've talked about this movie a thousand times on this podcast before. It's one of my favorites of all time. And I think the trilogy gets weaker as it goes along like if you're looking at individual films like the third one is my least favorite for example but i still love it this is one of those trilogies where i look at it as kind of like one long movie Mm -hmm. if that makes sense uh i think and i think you know you were kind of saying that with john wick two three and four as well it's kind of like one cohesive kind of you know epic or whatever 
And that's kind of how I look at Back to the Future 1 through 3 is that they all kind of, they have to kind of go together to give you that full experience. But I, I just can't, I don't know, man. Anytime <laughs> the 1985 Back to the Future can fit on a list, I can't not put it on there. Yeah. So, so I'm just telling you. So yeah. Back to the Future, my runner-up. Are you a fan of these films, uh, Jacob? It's it's in my top 10. It is, uh, it's one of my honorable mentions. Um, I think Back to the Future... Like you were saying, it's a perfect one of a kind um, movie. I, I do think that it is probably one of the best movies ever made. Um, I think just everything about it, uh, from you know, from going back to the past and from the coming of age aspect of it to the sci-fi elements, um, I think there's so many iconic things. The DeLorean. Um, you know, getting, getting to 88 miles an hour, like all of that is just so, so perfect. And I really do think that it, this is one of those, um, you know, one of those lightning in a bottle situations where it, it's just an absolutely perfect movie. And I agree. I think they get worse as they go down the list. Um, but I think the first one is so good that it really makes up. I know. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's like uh, when you kind of watch two and three, you're off that high too. Mm-hmm. Like this is a great marathon trilogy too. You yeah. know, like they all go really well back to back to back and they all have a little something to keep you engaged as a viewer. And obviously you're so connected to the characters. I mean, Marty McFly, Doc Brown, I mean, some of the most iconic movie characters ever on mm-hmm. film and you're going through it with them, you know? So yeah, yeah back to the future. My number two and we are up to our number ones, Jacob. So what was in the running for the before trilogy for you? What did you what did you decide to put at number one? So I was looking up my letterboxd and um, the reason that I didn't give before the number one spot is because, like I said, I have before sunset as an A, not an A plus. And this trilogy, it is one, two and three, all perfect movies, all oh, A wow. pluses tells a fully cohesive story. I mean, it tells one story um, about a group of friends who are trying to destroy a ring. And Mm. my number one is the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Epic. Right right outside my top five is my number six. I think, um, I think the Lord of the Rings are, I think they came in a time where just from a filmmaking standpoint, the ability to make and shoot three movies nonstop and then go back and edit them and release them year after year. But like to do all of that in one kind of, you know, well, not one sitting months long shoot. Yeah. Peter um, Jackson's a maniac. Yeah. Is pretty impressive, but I think it came along at the perfect time where CGI was just becoming used but it wasn't um, it wasn't perfected. So there's still so much practical and there's so great makeup work and there's so great um, costumes and character work. And I think that just how it happened, how it came to be, uh, the fact that, you know, there were very few well-known actors. It was almost, you know, like a whole bunch of like new people. Um Peter Jackson, I know he was already nominated for an Oscar, but it's like he hadn't done 
anything of this caliber and was given full reins to kind of make one of the biggest and the best epic fantasy films that has ever been made and was adored and caught on by practically everyone. And I, I, I think that my favorite of the bunch is return of the King because I love a good ending. Um, but I think every iteration of the films, I think both one, two and three both have something that makes them some of the best pieces of cinema and in movie history. Yeah, I agree, man. I kind of thought this one might come up uh, tonight. So I kind of let that get into my head a little bit because this could have easily been in my top five, but also kind of factored in rewatchability a little bit. And, you know, this is a long saga Mm -hmm. that I don't know I'm rushing to rewatch or that I have time to rewatch, but I absolutely love it. The two towers is my favorite, but it would have, it would have fallen at my number six. I mean, you know, what Peter Jackson did was just, I mean, the guy's a madman. I mean, it was yeah. uh, like nothing we'd ever seen. And I actually didn't see it initially aside from clips here and there, but I actually watched it pretty recently a couple of years ago for the first time. I went through the whole trilogy. It's like you said, I think it's like something we had never seen before until that time. Yeah. And I, I, I really think it's like nothing we will ever see again. I don't think yeah. we'll ever see that, that perfect scale. blend of mm-hmm. – practical and cgi and i don't think we'll ever see actors i mean nowadays you can't have actors shoot for two weeks before they go do something else and (laughs) all of those actors were out there for you know months to years um yeah shooting that film out in uh in new zealand Zealand. Mm -hmm. um and then to go back you know again it's another one of those things where like i love the king kong movie that peter jackson made but after he made Lord of the Rings, it's not like he was going off to make, you know, another epic. And it's right. not like he was going off to make, you know, uh, 15 more Oscar winning, you know, best movies of the year. He he, right. he didn't fall off, but he definitely was never at that point again. And I really well, I was going to say, how that, do you top uh, that? Really? I mean, I, you yeah, know, I don't I think I really he think probably even knows that. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like you you have peaked. And I think that it is, it's one of the peaks of cinema. And I think yeah. it's, it's a perfect, perfect trilogy. Well, there you go, man. Lord of the Rings. I'm glad I got a shout out. Cause I just realized I, I had put it right out my top, right outside my top five. My mm-hmm. number one is probably I'll go out on a limb here and say probably the most iconic movie trilogy, at least among those that study film. And it's and it, probably one that I haven't seen. So. Well, I don't know about that. I would be shocked. Maybe, but I would be shocked. But I'm going to say the Star Wars. Oh, wow. Okay. That's not what I thought you were going to say. Okay. Yeah. The, the original trilogy. All right. Okay. Uh, George Lucas, Star Wars, A New Hope. Obviously, The Empire Strikes Back, one of the greatest sequels ever made, and The Return of the Jedi. That's the trilogy I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Now, Jacob. I'm a huge fan of these films. I have a Star Wars poster behind me here. I love Star Wars, the whole thing, Mandalorian, the whole thing, right? But this is, this has become an absolute pop culture corner of the universe. Mm-hmm. Like, Star Wars is its own world, all right? Yeah. And it started in 1977 with the original film. 
that people were laughing at George Lucas that he wanted to make it. It was basically a soap opera in space. This weird brother-sister story that comes to fruition. I mean, it was just a strange... Nobody knew what he was talking about, you know, Yodas and Ewoks, and nobody knew what the hell the guy was talking about. They thought he was crazy. Mm-hmm. And now it's like people literally study this their entire lives and follow this this story. And obviously the you know iterations have continued with comic books and TV shows and uh, other movies. You were talking about Kylo Ren earlier. I mean, even, even us talking about stuff, it comes up in conversation. Uh-huh. It's just so, like, iconic and secondhand to our culture, at least in America, that it's like just crazy to me. And then I can remember all the way back when I was like 10 or 10 or 11 years old, finding out that Vader was Luke's father in that moment. Cause you know, now you can be spoiled, you know, social media, you can't, nothing can be kept a secret. Mm-hmm. But back then, like as a young kid, minds are blown. I mean, it's like, you're literally sitting there like, what? <laughs> like, can you yeah. please rewind that VHS tape? Like, I don't know what I just saw. Like, it was uh, one of the greatest plot twists in movie history. It, it, it's just, I could talk about Star Wars in general forever, and I feel like it's just kind of carved its place in society as one of the, like, I feel like if you were going to, at least from an entertainment perspective, and I'll, I'll see what you think about this, because I'm kind of throwing this off the top of my head, but... Mm-hmm. At least from an entertainment or pop culture perspective, if you were to like define America, Star Wars would be part of that conversation. Like, yeah, that kind of is is just a thing that exists and it's just part of us now at this point. I think if we didn't have Star Wars, I don't think the science fiction genre would be as popular as it is today. I don't think I really don't think if we didn't have Star Wars, I don't think we have Stranger Things. And right. I don't think we have, um, you know, stuff along those lines where it is, it's built off of the idea of what um, Star Wars is, and almost like how the MCU now is, it's it's almost like its own genre of people, and it's like it's almost like its own genre of films and everything. Um, I think Star Wars is the same. I mean, there's Star Wars cons and mm-hmm. uh there's c- conventions and events and stuff where people just come and show up and it's it's rooted in like you said american pop culture history and mm-hmm. it will be for years and years to come there's there's no stopping no matter what happens or what they do people will still seek yep. this out and watch this and i think um and yeah i think that I think you're right. I think that it is very rooted in American, um, in American culture. And I think it's, it's a massive, massive, uh, deal. And I, I, I love the pick. I thought you were going to say the Godfather trilogy, especially when you said people who studied, uh, which I've never seen the Godfather, father trilogy. Oh, Um, wow. Okay. But yeah, I think the star Wars trilogy is such a good pick. Thanks, man. I think I thought about it, but one in three or like two, I love two's a, a mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. Number one's probably like a seven out of 10. Like, I, but number three, I didn't, wasn't a huge fan of. So I, as a trilogy, I couldn't really in good faith list the Godfather, even though it's probably one of the most pivotal trilogies in American history, but film history, but it's just my personal preference. So there you go. Uh, those were our top five movie trilogies. Jacob, that was a lot of fun, man. We're going to take a quick promo break. 
And then on the flip side, Jacob and I are going to give you our honorable mentions. And we will also talk about what you guys put in the suggestion box this week for fan feedback. So everybody sit tight. We will be right back. Together, we can make a difference. That's been the sign-off for everything Livestream for the Cure related ever since the event began back in 2017. Hello, everyone. My name is Nick, and I am the host of the Livestream for the Cure, an annual charity event to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute for immunotherapy research for a world immune to cancer. And over the past six years, we've made that difference together. Amazing listeners, amazing viewers, amazing podcast partners and content creators all coming together, and we've raised over $70,000. But this year, we're going to make our biggest difference to date, and we're going to raise $25,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Tune into the event at twitch.tv slash livestream for the cure starting May 18th, as we're joined again by podcast partners and content creators from around the world to help the Cancer Research Institute crush cancer together we will make a difference welcome back guys as i said pre-break jacob throneberry's here from awards watch in session film and just a great dude that's going to be living close to me soon so that's really cool but we just did our top five movie trilogies which was a lot of fun jacob remind everybody what was your top five trilogies again man uh my number five was john wick two through four which i i get is funny to say. Uh, my number four is the Toy Story trilogy. My number three is the MCU Spider-Man trilogy. My number two is the Before trilogy. And my number one is Lord of the Rings trilogy. Bam. My number five was the Evil Dead original trilogy from Sam Raimi. My number two was Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight trilogy. Number three was Toy Story. That was our... I think that was our soul. Yeah, that was our soul crossover tonight. My number two was Back to the Future. And my number one was the original Star Wars trilogy from George Lucas. So there you go. Uh, before we go over and see what the fans had to say, Jacob, why don't you go ahead and give some honorable mentions, buddy? Uh, some that didn't quite crack your top five over there. So, yeah, so I, I mentioned some of them um, already with Back to the Future. And uh, like you said, the Batman trilogy. The other two I really wanted to uh, highlight the original Indiana Jones trilogy. Um, mm, that's a good one. I think Raiders of the, the Lost Ark is probably one of the most pivotal action movies in cinema history. And I think The Last Crusade is my favorite of the bunch. I think it's a a perfect Sean Connery performance. Um, and I think that that is, that, that that is a, a great trilogy. Um and then the last one that I wanted to say was the recent Planet of the Apes trilogy. And mm, okay. I I thought each one of that, like we have said, grew on the ones that came before. Um, and it's a trilogy that I find pretty, pretty great. Yeah, that's good, man. My number six you mentioned was Lord of the Rings. Kind of a no-brainer there. My no- and I have a few kind of weird ones, but my number seven... <laughs> If I took it, my number 10, I put it at my number 10. I'm going to leave it. My number seven would be what is referred to as the Kevin Smith Jersey trilogy. Okay. So that would be Clerks, Mallrats, and Chasing Amy. Clerks is another movie that's one of my all-time favorites. One of the best comedies ever made, in my opinion. Made on such a small budget with his buddies at a convenience store. You know, it would be the equivalent of me and you going out now and making a movie on our iPhone at at a local. I mean, it's crazy. So... 
it's just become iconic. And then he was able to kind of, you know, merge all the storylines together, even though the budgets got a little bit bigger and, you know, brought Ben Affleck into the mix and chasing Amy as a main character. And I don't know, it's just a great, it's a great trilogy. Some of it's outdated, but when you watch them back to back to back, it's cool to kind of see all the through lines that he created in the screenwriting and stuff like that. My number eight would be the Cornetto trilogy, Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shaun of the Dead is really the reason. It's one of my favorite movies ever. I love it, but you also have Hot Fuzz and The World's End in there as well. It's a great trilogy kind of pieced together that way. And then my number nine and my number 10 are kind of weird, but I am an idiot. Like I, I love stupid humor that you could literally okay. turn your brain off and just like laugh. Let's so I'm going to go. I'm going to go for my number nine is the Naked Gun trilogy. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. The dumbest parody shit ever. And I just love it so much. Yeah. Leslie Nielsen. And then my number 10 is the Austin Powers trilogy. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. What do you think? I mean, it's so was, good, right? I, yeah, I was hoping that you, you were going to bring it up because I, oh, I forgot. Yeah, no, I, I always forget that that is a trilogy. It's so good. But yeah. It's, got it's Beyonce great. in there at the end and like, yeah, yeah that was great, man. All right, dude. So that was a lot of fun. That was our favorite movie trilogies, uh, an episode that's been brewing for a few years. And Jacob was brave enough to come on and, and talk about it with me. So there we go. No, but I did. Yeah, dude. So uh, how we end every episode, Jacob, is we head over to social media and we see what the fans had to say and what we call the old suggestion box. So let's go over there and see what they had to say, man. Maybe there's some that we did not mention tonight. And we'll see what we think there. I said, uh, what are some of the best movie trilogies of all time? And we'll see what we got. Chris Green says the original Star Wars trilogy. He also says uh, the first three Raiders films, which you mentioned. The Godfather trilogy, the Matrix trilogy, and Back to the Future. What do you think about the Matrix shot out there? Uh, Never seen it. I told you, I'm not not an actor. I haven't seen the Matrix You haven't seen the original? I haven't seen the Terminator trilogy. Jacob. I've only seen Alien. (laughs) I haven't seen Aliens or Aliens 3. Uh, okay. I'm not. I'm not a big action person. That's why John That's Wick cool. being in my top five trilogies is pretty, pretty insane. Well, you you got to see the Matrix. The uh, first yeah. one. You I know. One. I know. I got yeah, to. You got. You got to do it's, it, man. Uh, Phil Rude, recent guest on the show, friend of the show, says Robert Rodriguez's Mariachi trilogy. You ever seen those? That's more mm-hmm. action though, so maybe not. That's no. Antonio Banderas with Desperado and. Okay, I know what you're talking about, but no, I haven't seen those. Let's see. Tony Dabish, patron and friend of the show, says the George Romero Dead trilogy, which would be the Night yes. of the Living Dead films. That's yeah, uh, that's great, great pick. Those those are some that I got into uh, over COVID as well. Great pick. He also mentioned uh, Kevin Smith's Jersey trilogy, uh, the Nolan Batman's, the Dollars trilogy, and the first three Toy Stories. So the Dollars Trilogy, I'm assuming he means the Clint Eastwood Western films, mm-hmm. uh, Fistful of Dollars. Yeah. Uh, Travis Crawford, recent guest on the show, says Lord of the Rings, Back to the Future. Those are the two that come to mind right away. And he also says the Cornetto Trilogy and the uh, Carpenter's Apocalypse Trilogy, which is a deep cut. But I yeah. appreciate the shout out to John Carpenter there. John Carpenter. Hey, he from uh, Bowling Green. That's where I'm at. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he went to the. Uh, I graduated from Western Kentucky, and that's where he went before he went to uh, NYU. He's from oh, wow. this area. A lot of the, uh, a lot of the oh. areas in, especially in Halloween, are named after yeah. um, different places. And 
in Bowling Green. So that's cool, man. I don't know why I didn't know that because I'm a huge fan of the guy. I didn't even realize yeah, that. Local, local person. Let's see. Marshall, friend of the show, says The Matrix, the first three Star Wars, the Bourne trilogy. What do you think about that? I, I love the Bourne trilogy. Actually, I really do like the Bourne trilogy. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Which I know I'm so all over the place when it comes to action movies. Yeah. But I do like the Bourne trilogy. He says uh, Lord of the Rings, The Avengers, John Wick. There you go. The most recent Halloween trilogy, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Jurassic Park. Thank you, Marshall. Let's see. Uh, Brad, patron and friend of the show, says, <laughs> I can't tell if he's trolling me, but Brad is a weird dude, so this might be legit. But he says the original Star Wars trilogy, the prequel Star Wars trilogy, and the most recent uh, sequel Star Wars trilogy, which I actually like. So his his three favorite trilogies are the nine all three Star nine Wars films for Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. What he's, would he's, that even be? Yeah, he's an interesting guy. Uh, Jared, patron and friend of the show, says the Godfather films, Lord of the Rings, the Star Wars OG trilogy, and the Apes reboot. That's the one you were talking about, right? Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Christiani says Austin Powers in the Heat of the Night, the Reanimator films. And he also likes the Red Curtain trilogy, which I'm not familiar with what that is. Are you? No. No. Red Curtain. I think Chris oh. is actually watching on YouTube right now. Maybe you can tell okay. us. Okay. It's, uh, it's Strictly Ballroom, Romeo and Juliet, and Moulin Rouge. Oh. It's the Oh, wow. Okay. Ballroom. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I like that trilogy too then. <laughs> I didn't even know that yeah. was what it was called. Uh, Joey DiCarlo, I'm going to be going on his show tomorrow, actually, to talk about Evil Dead. So no shocker that he says the Evil Dead trilogy. He also says Lord of the Rings and the original Star Wars. And then he puts duh in parentheses. That was my number one. So I guess I was, like I said, I was basic. Paul says the Cornetto trilogy, Lord of the Rings, uh, the Evil Dead trilogy, and the Apes reboot. So we mentioned all of those. Brett, patron in front of the show, says Back to the Future, The Dark Knight, The Indiana Jones Trilogy, The Apes, and The Evil Dead Trilogy. Here's one that we haven't mentioned yet. Well, you kind of mentioned it nonchalantly earlier, but he's uh, Drew Hallam, patron of the show, says The Mad Max Trilogy. What do you think? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. I love that, too. He also says The Dark Man Trilogy, Aliens, The Dollars, Indiana Jones, and The Bourne Trilogy. How about this one? Mario, patron of the show, says the Mighty Ducks trilogy. <laughs> I it love is a it. trilogy. I love it. I love that it got shout out there. We will end on, I think we mentioned most of these, but we will end on my buddy Larkin. He says Lord of the Rings. He also says the Godfather, the Dark Knight, the Before trilogy. So there you go. You got another shout out for that. Back to the Future, The Hobbit. Well, that's a, that's a take. Wow. And he says, I like them, so F off. <laughs> so I guess he <laughs> knows he's on an island there. Yep. He says, The Silence of the Lambs, which you can throw in Mind Hunter or Manhunter as a bonus. He yeah. Says. That's, that's a cheater, but yeah, sure, but we'll that, give it to yeah, him. I'll, but I'll I cheated with John Wick, I guess. So. <laughs> and then he also says, The Dead Trilogy, which we mentioned from Romero, and there are more. But he's not including ones that have a fourth part like Die Hard, Terminator, Toy Story, and Indiana Jones. So there you go. But that's a good list. Thank you, Larkin. Thank you for everybody giving the feedback this week. Jacob, this was a blast, man. I can't believe you've never been on the show. I feel like you've been on a hundred times. It was so casual and cool, and uh, you were great to talk to. But thanks so much for being here, man. I hope you had a good time. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I did. I loved it. Um, I would love to come on again anytime that you want. Um, anytime, yeah, man. I had I had a great time. I love talking about movies and talking about trilogies, and it was it allowed me to uh, really dive into what I thought were some of the best ones. So, yeah, I'm I'm really glad I got to come on. Yeah, me too, man. Great insight, and I look forward to linking up with you in the future, whether that's through the Film Critics Association or coming on the show or anything like that. You're welcome anytime, man. Why don't you just remind everybody where they can find you online and look you up as we wrap up here, buddy? All right. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at TBerry57. On there, I do have a link tree that can take you to everything that I've got. Um, You can find me at Awards Watch. You can find me at In Session Film. And most importantly, you can find me at Letterboxd, where I, like I said, am the most active I am on any social media is on Letterboxd. So, yeah. Do you have your phone on you? Let me go yes, over there. And follow, let me go over there and follow you right now. I don't know. Right. Do you follow me? I don't know. What are you, what are you T. Uh, Barry over there? Yeah, T. Barry 57. Bam. You are now followed. You can follow right. back if you want, but I don't know. You might want to wait till after I do my take on Bo is Afraid tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should follow you back before you, might you do your take on Follow me before after I put my review up, perhaps. I don't know. No, I'm looking forward to seeing that one tomorrow. I'll check it out. I'll pipe something a little up on YouTube about it too, I'm sure. But uh, nonetheless, man, it was great having you on. And uh, guys, look for the show notes to find all of Jacob's information and follow him on Letterboxd and Twitter. And once again, man, I really appreciate you coming on to do this, man. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. All right, guys, we will, be, we will be back next week. We'll have another top five for you. Until then, everybody take care.